is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So it's message restricted. Right. Yeah, I think that's exactly what's going on. So I don't know if she was able to send or not send. That was Latoya. All right, guys. So tonight's teaching is going to be called Twice Dead and Plucked Up by the Roots. Twice Dead and Plucked Up by the Roots. Now, why I want to talk about this message tonight, and I believe that the Lord is leading me to it, is, you know, the Bible speaks many times about us being righteous trees. He talks about that we are God's garden and God expects us to bear fruit, that he wants to work with us, that he wants to do many different things in our lives. And he wants us to grow that way that he calls us to, you know? So I think that in many ways, as we've been covering this week and going over a few things, hey, Sister Latoya and Sister Naima, but this is, um, you know, some of the things that the enemy will do to try and stunt our growth. And you're beginning to see it everywhere. Last night, we had to talk about this false doctrine going on that Jesus Christ had already came back. Now, I know that, that sounds crazy and people have heard that before, you know, but it's just one of those things where the devil attempts to take the root system that God is building in us and he wants to uproot it or get it to grow, you know, bent and not straight, you know, to be crooked. But we know that in Christ, you know, that he truly is the way, the truth and the life. You know that his word does not change and he wants us all to fall in line with what he wants. You know, and and I think that when it comes to growth and being a Christian, we must understand one thing, that God is right and he cannot be wrong. He is an ever present help in our time of need. We can go to him with any questions that he can answer for us. That's what he's there for. But you see, there's a lot of the devil is working overtime just to try and keep the people of God from reaching their fullness in Christ. Now, you know, we've talked many times before about being baptized, giving our lives to the Lord, you know, walking out this experience. Sometimes we got to crawl before we can walk. And when we learn to walk, we'll actually grow stronger and we'll begin to do more things in Christ. But I think that in many ways as Christians, what we tend to do sometimes is just go out and start doing things without reaching your fullness. And I'm gonna tell you, that's critical. It's it's really critical that you and I grow to the place of being full of Christ to be able to do the things that he wants. Because if not, then you're gonna find it as a rough side of up the mountain. And I was one that even though the Lord called me to ministry, I realized that there were certain things that I still don't know. And there's things that I'm still trying to do. And all it does is take you back to depending on God doing more and growing, you know, but I think that everybody's anointing is different. Some people are called to do more than others, that I will admit, but it's all about reaching your fullness. What does God have for you? Now, we talked also uh, last week about those who wanted to be lords over God's heritage. You've got some people out there that don't want to see you grow in the grace of God. They want you to go their way. They want, hey, this, I got a 12-step plan. If you follow these 12 steps, 
you'll you'll be a righteous tree. But that's not so because we understand that God is a father. Jesus Christ is our Lord. They are gardeners. They are fishermen. They plant seeds and they intend to grow fruit. And they are the only ones, the only ones that know how to win a soul. And for those who are full of Jesus Christ, they will be the ones that will be able to go out and be fruitful for the kingdom of God. And I think fruitfulness is not preached enough. You see a lot of works being preached, but you don't see fruitfulness. You don't even hear it mentioned much anymore. Why? Because everyone has reached their place and saying, if I just do this, then that's being fruitful for the kingdom. But you know, true fruitfulness for any Christian is Jesus Christ in you. Jesus Christ living in you, in your being, working through you, transforming your mind, transforming your heart, walking with the Lord until he says, you know what? Why should you and I walk together? Since you're just like me and you're everything that I have made and you are that abode that I can rest in, why don't I just get inside of you and get a job done? That's where you'll find a lot of us as Christians, we can get cut short because we get involved in works and we do many different things. But have we ever got to the place of really believing that everything that the apostles had done, everything that you've seen the great men and women of God do, that that is your heritage. That's what you are called to do. You are called to have Christ in you, that he can do works through you, that he can bring forth that organic life unto others. But religion, but people that want to you know, govern over people and all these different things, they keep people from growing in the true life of Christ. And every now and then the Lord will tell me when I'm going too far. Sometimes, you know, I'll get on a person's case, man, you know this is wrong and this and that. And the Lord will say, okay, so how many chances did I give you? Remember that day you came to me and needed to repent and do whatever, whatever. So, you know, God has his way of growing with us. But I will tell people in this walk, it's not the easiest thing to do. You will receive challenges. God will be with you. He's going to help you grow. He's going to push out sins and things in your life that you thought that you could never get rid of. He will clean out your life, but you've just got to cling to him, trust him, believe him, and call on him that he can set you free. That's what this whole thing is about. So, you know, again, we're going to be talking about tonight, twice dead and plucked up by the roots. Can you imagine dying twice? Can you imagine being plucked up by the roots? You know, that's like a hopeless kind of situation to think about. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Imagine being twice dead and plucked up by the roots. But, you know, there are many that are in this state if they do not know the Lord, if they do not reach their fullness in Christ, if they allow other things to stunt their growth from fully reaching what the Lord calls them to, then without the life of Christ, you and I are dead. We may be physically alive but we are dead men walking unless the life of Christ is living in you and dictating to you. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Wow, this is funny. I know the enemy's working overtime. So anyway, um, let's get right in. Let's pray and we'll get right into this lesson. Hey, Sister Tatiana and Sister Teresa. Heavenly Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for another day another day not promised to us. And we just ask, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that you've given me. 
with my brothers and sisters near and far that we have yet another day to be partakers in your word, to be edified by your spirit that we may choose life and not death. So I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you open the eyes, that you open the minds, that you open the hearts, that your people may receive the word, Lord, that you might have called them to hear. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that no man's flesh be heard tonight. I pray that no man's heart be heard. But we pray, Lord, and we invite the Holy Ghost, the great comforter, he that is the spirit of truth, that is meant to bring us into all truth and righteousness. We pray, my Lord, my God, tonight that you speak. And if there's anything, Lord, that I may say that is ill-advised of you, I pray in Jesus' name that you make it known the correction may be brought. So we just pray in Jesus' name that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief, all slothfulness, Lord, all laziness. In Jesus' name, we pray that you cast the devil down like the dog that he is, that you throw him out, that your people may get the victory in you this day. For you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You are faithful, just and true and worthy of all praises. We pray, Lord, and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and your honor alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so let's get right into this lesson. Let's get started in Jude chapter one. Let's look at Jude 1, and we are going to begin at verse 1 as we talk about twice dead and plucked up by the roots. Jude is at the back of your Bible. It's the last, uh, the second to last book in front of the book of Revelation. Thank you, Jesus. All right, Jude 1, let's look at verse 1. And it says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. So Jude has written this letter to make it clear to us about being diligent in the common salvation. Let me tell you something that's also gone crazy today is there are many out there that call themselves Christians that believe it's okay if you and I believe in different doctrines, we're all brethren. And I'm here to tell you that's a lie because doctrine itself separates. What we believe will, be, will determine what we put our trust in and what we will do. And it's amazing how we can say, well, it's okay if you believe this and I believe that. But one thing you knew from just the church, the early church, one, they were all single of heart and two, they had all things common. They stayed steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine because they knew that that doctrine came from Jesus Christ. What's the problem today? Many are looking at the wisdom of men, but all eyes should be focused on Jesus Christ. I would recommend anyone, and we talked about this before, 
have your Bibles out in front when I'm talking because I can say something wrong. Hey, I'm a man, okay? I am not Jesus Christ. I can say the wrong thing, but the word of God does not change. So you should be able to look at it, see it for yourself. Maybe there are things you may need understanding with, but you can also tell me because I'm subject to the Lord and his word. Hey buddy, that was wrong. This is what it really means. And if I'm really a student of the Lord or a real child of God, and I see that too, hey man, thank you for catching that. Why? Because we don't need to go off course in this thing, okay? But he tells them to contend for the faith. How many people are preaching today that you've got to fight for what you believe in? You see, a lot of people are just telling people, man, just go on and live your life, just skip and be happy and do whatever. No, you've got to contend for the faith. Every day the devil is coming in trying to get to your mind, trying to get you to think different, trying to get you to compromise the gospel, trying to get you to question the true purposes and will of God, and you know, really fight against what you believe. So we should contend for the faith and be and have ourselves prepared in God's word, time spent in prayer, you know, being one with the Lord. And you're never gonna really get this thing without your own study time. No matter where you go to church or how many Bible studies you go to, your own personal study time is so much more important. Why? Because that is the time when God speaks to you. You can see it for yourself. And you know what? You're also learning. And when you learn, you're able to present with confidence because you know this yourself. Yes, Sarah? Also, what I've noticed recently is... But when you do contend for the faith, it actually draws you closer to the Lord, like with the things that have happened on Facebook, mm -hmm. posts that I put. Um, it draws you closer to the Lord, and it's not even really, it's not even an argument sense, but it's just like you want to make sure that what you're saying is sound doctrine. Mm -hmm. So you are going back and you're like, All right, Lord, how do I present this to a people that really don't even want to re uh, uh, receive it, but to break down that stony heart? Absolutely. You know, and that's the that's the whole thing is you've got to be willing to defend what you believe, you know, because it's just like if you have a husband or a wife or kids or whatever, because you believe in them, because you love them, you'll defend them. OK, look at verse four. This is why we must contend. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So there are people here, men crept in unawares, that intend to do what? They intend, they're ungodly men, and they want to turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Look at the word lasciviousness. This is G766. That word means unbridled lust, excess, licentiousness wantingness, outrageousness, shamelessness, and insolence. One of the doctrines being uh, preached today that are trying to turn people to lasciviousness is the once saved, always saved doctrine. Why? Because it tells you you don't have to do anything. Once you get saved, you cannot lose it. You can fool around. What's another one? The prosperity doctrine. God wants you to be rich. See, if you don't have, if you're not rich or very wealthy, then that means that God is not in your corner. That's not God, God wants you to be rich. 
And I tell people, show me in the Bible where God says that. There's nothing wrong with having money. You know, God can bless you to be well-to-do, but we know that those things cannot be a God to us, okay? God gives for his purposes that we may fulfill his will, okay? So God is good. He will take care of those things. But you see, there are many things today that are trying to lead you and I to unbridled lust, living in excess, more than what you need. You know, that's what TV's for. That's what the radio's for. That's what the internet is all about. It is shopping to you daily to give you a steady appetite of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The same three things that the devil used on Adam and Eve and later tried to use to Jesus, he's trying to do the same thing to people today. Trying to get you to desire things that are not of God. Verse five says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterwards, destroyed them that believed not. So this is why we must not take grace, okay, in God for granted, because Judah's going all the way back to the beginning and saying, God has freed all those people from Egypt. He freed about what, maybe 4 million Israelites from Egypt? but not every single one of them made it to the promised land. There were some that believed, and then there were others who didn't believe, and they fell short of his glory. They did not make it in. So just because God has saved you does not mean that you are going to stay saved. You've got to have a personal relationship. You know, just how any relationship will grow strong if you spend time in it, it's the same relationship you'll have if you spend time with the Lord. Now, I know the next question may come up. How do I spend time with the Lord? Because people will say, well, I'm just sitting there in a room. I'm not hearing anything. Man, I'm, I'm trying to read your word, but I'm, I'm not hearing anything. It's pretty simple. I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do, but here's the thing. When you get into God's word, God will tell you what he wants for you. And you, you, know, you study his word and get into him, pray before him, ask him. Seek to hear from him, because if you draw nigh to God, the Bible says that God will draw nigh to you. And what will the Holy Ghost eventually do? Change your appetite for the things that you used to like, the things that you used to want. And you don't know why you just can't stop listening to that Christian music. You don't know why you can't stop listening to messages over and over and over. You know why? That's the new man developing a new appetite for the things that are of God. And the, the, Paul says it easier this way. If you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So God wants us to be able to fill our minds with spiritual things. There are some times that we happen to be in the flesh. We may end up in the workplace. We may have to do things and survive in this world. But the other thing that God wants us to be able to do is keep our minds focused on him. Okay, that's not an easy thing to do, but you will grow stronger with it in time. You know, he'll even start to separate you from those that are not like God because of the fact that evil communications will corrupt good manners. Yes, Sarah. And I think that is so important. And I wanted to bring up a little something on that because everyone's going back and forth about Kanye West, whether he believes in Jesus or not. Mm -hmm. And the point that you just made kind of goes along with that because the Bible says, come out from, un from, from amongst her and be ye separate. Mm -hmm. So it's like if Kanye West is truly a Christian, if he truly believes in Jesus Christ, 
he's going to leave that life behind because he's still trying to rap and he's still trying to do all that kind of stuff. And it's like him, Justin Bieber, or whoever else. It's like you can't have both the world and Jesus Christ, but the devil is trying to combine the two, even though the Bible says there is another Jesus, there is another gospel. So it's like we have to know for ourselves which one is the true gospel, which one are we, which Jesus are we following after, because the devil is going to make everyone appear to be a Christian just so they continue to follow him. Absolutely. The Bible tells us that, you know, when we want to follow the Lord, that we need to repent and believe. We need to turn away from where we are and get right with God. A, a quick example of this is Kanye, you know, has never openly repented for all the people that he's led astray. The man led many people astray, calling himself Jesus. I mean, so many different blasphemous things that this man did, but he never came out openly and really repented. I led you guys into this. Forgive me. And, you know, you, it doesn't take a genius to figure out who's funding this guy. Who's looking out for him? How did he end up at Joe Osteen's church? You see, it, it's, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this thing out. Now, we know that Joe Osteen, he's not a real Christian because he doesn't preach the truth. All right. He's a prosperity preacher. He's a motivational preacher. OK, he's someone that desires to get you in the flesh, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness to get you to walk with him. So, you know, right away, if Kanye West is at his church speaking, then, you know, for a fact that, you know, he's in the wrong company. I mean, they don't ask Gary Price to go there. They won't ask Derek Prince. You know, I mean, of course, he's dead. But they're not asking the people who would really say, you know, and let me tell you guys what this thing is really about. Is you see, the world has no appetite for the things of God. So look at verse uh, six. He says, and the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, I want to look at something here. Because, you know, one thing we are going to do is just tell people the outright truth. There are many people even asking the question today, can you be a homosexual and still be a Christian? The answer to that is a resounding no. Just how you can't be a fornicator and be a Christian, you can't be a murderer and be a Christian, you cannot be a homosexual and be a Christian. This is an example. He's bringing it back to the days of Sodom and Gomorrah when homosexuality ran rampant and all these things were going on. He made very clear that they, these people, what did it say? They were an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So these people were damned to hell because they did not, you know, repent and get right with God. They continued in their sins. Homosexuality is no different than any other sin. It's a, it is an abomination, but the bottom line is all need to repent to be able to walk with God. God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As high as the heaven is from the earth, so are God's ways above our ways. Now that may be a hard doctrine for some, some people may see that as in, man, it just sounds like hatred. That's not hatred. You know what the problem is? You don't know God. 
You spend a long portion of your life in unholiness and unrighteousness and evil that what I'm saying will seem wrong. Well, let me ask you this. If you had the cure for AIDS and there were people walking around with AIDS that were slowly dying and you had the antidote, would you not give it to them? Well, that's exactly what we do with the gospel. We tell people the truth that they may get the divine nature, be born again, and get right with Jesus Christ. That's all it is. The solution is Christ, okay? So anyway, he says, likewise also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. So these men crept in unawares, or being compared to those who are filthy dreamers, those who love to bask in the flesh. They love to think about sin. They dream of a life without God. We don't need him. I can be my own God and I can live my own way. He says they defile the flesh. You know why? Because any man that's not governed by God will defile the flesh. He says despise dominion. I don't want God telling me what to do. I like to live as I want to live and speak evil of dignities. Like when you tell people, hey, man, you should be married. Hey, man, you got to stop sinning. You got to stop doing this. You know what they'll say? Marriage is just a piece of paper. It doesn't even matter. That's evil of dignities because you're trying to call them unto not our holiness, the holiness of Jesus Christ. And they'll tell you, Man, that's, that's garbage. You believe whatever you want. They speak evil of those things that are righteous, okay? So it says, yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuked thee. He says, but these. So what the point being brought here is Michael the archangel, one of the head angels in heaven, when he was contending with Satan for the body of Moses, he never stepped out in his own power or his own authority, but he turned and said, the Lord rebuke you. So he came in the name of the Lord, not in his own power. So that just shows the obedience of even an archangel in the kingdom of heaven. And who are we to deny God? And you got real heavenly beings up there that love the Lord and will obey him. So he says, uh, let's see, look at verse 10, but these, so these people are being compared to heavenly things. They speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts and those things, they corrupt themselves. So we're looking at a nature here. We did a teaching once that, what was it called? Um, from man to beast or something like that. But the thing is, is, is that there are so many things in our lives that tell us that we're animals. And I'm here to tell people that's not true. The scientific realm will call you a homo sapien sapien, wise, wise man. They'll tell you, you came from a monkey 6 million years ago. They say that we came in divine order with everything that was in the world. And we came from a primordial slime unto a lizard, unto a monkey. And all of a sudden we're here. Why do they do that? They want to take away the holiness of God and just tell you, well, you're just an animal too. No, I'm not. I'm made in God's image and God's likeness. But you know what they do say? This much is true. If we know not Christ, 
we have lived our lives as brute beasts. Why? Because we didn't live in accordance with God's nature and all that he tells us. So it would be kind of like bringing an animal in off the street, giving him a napkin, giving him a knife and fork, teaching him real manners about what is right and what is wrong. But you see, these individuals have the mentality of brute beast, and that's what's corrupting them. They know not God. God turned you, turned you from a beast unto a man, your whole mentality. Look at verse 11. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. What was Cain's problem? Cain thought that he could give God whatever he wanted and govern himself and still be in good standing with God. But as you know, he was set free to be a vagabond because he killed his brother. And as a brute beast, what did Cain do? Cain said, my punishment is more than I can bear. Wait a minute, man, you just killed your brother. Don't you feel guilty? But you see, that's the nature of a beast. It's me, my, and I. But God's life is selfless. Okay, that's what he teaches us. And so it says, it ran greedily after the era of Balaam, for reward and perish in the gainsaying of Korah. These are spots in your feast of charity. So they're not, you know, pure. These people are full of sin. He says, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. So these people have no fear of God. It says, clouds they are without water, no Holy Ghost, carried about of winds, not led of the spirit, Trees whose fruit withereth, unfruitful, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. So can you imagine a tree in a worse state than this, plucked up by the roots and twice dead? This sounds like a hopeless situation to be in. But, you know, this is the Bible telling us this is our true state without the life of Jesus Christ in us. Okay, you are going to be plucked up by the roots, no spirit of God, no true direction of following God. And I mean, this is just the most hopeless situation that you can think of. Well, tonight, we're not going to talk about all that is negative. We are going to speak about all that is good. Why? Because we're, we're talking about being the righteous trees that you and I won't perish, that we will end up in that place with God is you know what he's looking for, those who are fruitful, those who are obedient, those who are willing, okay? So that's what we're gonna be talking about. So let's get right into this lesson. Didn't even open my book. Let's get right into this lesson, but that's where I got the title for the teaching. We don't want to be without God because without the Lord, you and I are the living dead. Let's go to Matthew 13, Matthew chapter 13. Matter of fact, Matthew 7. Let's go to Matthew 7 first and let's look at verse 13. Because some people could say, well, you can choose to be with Jesus Christ or not. Yeah, that is your choice. But I'm here to tell people today it is imperative, it is an absolute must that man gets back in line with his creator. God knows you. He knows everything about you. A man without God is incomplete. He may look like a man, but he's not going to function like a man. It's just like a car without gas, a lamp without oil. You know, it'll still be a lamp, but you may as well throw it in a trash can because God in you, Christ in you, 
is what makes any man or woman whole. You know, and that that's what's missing. Yes, Sarah. One of the things today that's really plaguing people is the fact that now that the church has become all inclusive, instead of repentance, then it's just come as you are and stay as you are. But it's mm-hmm. and, and the fear of offending people is out there. And truth offends whatever that truth is. I mean, obviously, when we preach the gospel, it is one gospel, it's one truth. Mm-hmm. You know, stay on track with that. Well, let's mm-hmm. just say you 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 went to the doctor. And he was telling you how to change your life. You know, it's like, hey, you have diabetes because you're overweight. So mm-hmm. the only way to get rid of the diabetes is that you have to lose the weight. Is he going to tell you what the problem is? Or is he going to be more worried about offending you if he tells you that? He's mm-hmm. just there to deliver the message. How that's you right. end up and the decision that you make, that's all the person. It's up to you. That is absolutely true. We've always used the example of you're standing on the, on the highway. And someone tells you a car is coming and you don't believe it and you stay right where you are and you get hit. Hey, that's on you. I told you the car was coming. You could have believed and moved or you stayed put and you were hit. This is how we've got to do things and see them. So let's start at verse seven, Matthew seven and seven. He says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. So what is the Lord saying? You can ask him, you can talk to him. He says, for everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If the Lord tells you that these things will come to pass, that is an absolute promise. If you want to be fruitful in the Lord and you wanna draw close, you seek, you ask, and you knock. Now, there are different ways of doing this, of course, through prayer, seeking God diligently, asking him, showing him that this is important, that you want this from him. Two, through fasting, sometimes self-denial, not eating sometimes. Hey, Lord, I'm going to pass up my meal today because I want to be closer with you. I want to be fed and to be full of you. And then there are other ways of, you know, praise and worship, worshiping the Lord, praising him. You know, praise is your joy in Christ. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So when we praise, when we seek the Lord and we come after him, man, God is going to draw nigh to you. That is a promise. And I guarantee you, I would be lying to you if I said, as God is drawing near to you, that the devil wouldn't try and do anything to keep you from being close to God. If I told you that wasn't true, I would be lying to you. As God draws closer to you and you draw closer to God, uh, your enemies will also draw closer to you as well. What's their goal? To keep you from bearing fruit and growing in Christ. The devil's job, I love the way Derek Prince said this. He said, there are two things assigned to demons by Satan. One is to keep you from becoming a Christian. He says that if they are able, if they're not able to keep you from becoming a Christian and they fail in that attempt, then the next best thing for them to do is to keep you from being an effective Christian for the Lord. So you see, both of them will bear no fruit. You can give your life to Christ and desire him, but the devil will throw obstacles in your way to keep you from being effective for the Lord. Do you know how many people in churches are walking the streets, have potential in Christ? God is still waiting for them, wanting them to come in. You know what I'm finding out about a lot of our students, man? These kids are brilliant. 
I don't care, like, you know, yeah, they might live a sinful life and all that, but you know what I'm seeing in them? They've got the guts to do what a lot of people that sit in churches won't do. There's nothing wrong with a church, but one thing I'm saying is these kids are open, they are honest, they are bold, all they need is God as their father and direction, and he's going to build them up and send them. I'm already seeing it. These kids are saying things that I would only dream of saying. You know what it is? Because this is their first chance. God is going to pull a lot of people off the street like this. He's going to find a lot of people that have not been watered down, that can see this thing and hear it, and he will send them, and they will be fruitful. So anyway, seek, ask, and not for the things that you want. Look at what he says in verse uh, 9. Or what man is there of you? Whom is his son? Ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will you give him a serpent? So he's saying being a parent or whatever, you know, if your kid asks you for something to eat, you're not going to bring them a stone. If they say they want fish, you're not going to give them a live serpent on their table that's going to bite them. You know, you're going to try and meet that need and get them something to eat. So anyway, he says, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that their families, whatever dirt that they made out there in the street, they're giving to their children. You know, like, hey, you know, hey, man, here's some new shoes. Don't ask. Don't tell. Yeah, I murdered a guy to get him. But you know what? I thought of you. You know, but the Lord is saying, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, then how much more will our holy heavenly father give to them that ask? Man, you can ask and put your trust in God and expect it because he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He says, therefore, all things whatsoever uh, ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. But this is the law and the prophets. He says, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. So he's saying that the gate to God is straight. I mean, no, it says that the, that the um, he says entering at the straight way. He says, because the wide gate and the broad way will lead to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. So what is he saying? The majority of people do not know Jesus Christ and the majority of people will most likely not be saved. Now, is that God's will that that happens? No, this is the broad way. What is a broad way? It's a broad doctrine. It's a broad belief system. I can manage my life without God. Jesus doesn't always have to be the only way. We can respect the Buddhists and the Hindus and the Muslims and all the things that they believe. That's the broad way. The Broadway tells you, as Oprah does, there are many ways to God. Well, she's leading people to destruction because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God but by Jesus Christ. But that's not a doctrine everybody can hear. Some people don't want to hear that because they want to accommodate men and they will abandon the truth. He says, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. There are few that will find the way, not because it's what God wants, but not everyone. 
is willing to become a righteous tree and submit himself to the word of God and go through the process of born again till they are able to bear fruit. It is a discipline-like life you have to live. But what enables one to live it? One, the spirit of God. Two, you must have a heavenly perspective. You've got to be spiritually minded. Yeah, I'm in this world and I'm doing things in this world, but you know what I really want? I want the Lord. I want everything that the Lord stands for. I know that I can do everything I want in this life and know that this is only temporal. Our lives have an expiration date, but eternal life in Jesus Christ will be forever and ever. When we come to that place and that perspective of recognizing that the spiritual is more important than the carnal, that temporal life cannot compare to eternal life, then you can get to that place and understanding I need to put my trust in Jesus so that I can move forward. It's just like asking somebody, what would you prefer? Going out in the Atlantic Ocean with a boat with holes in it? Or would you rather travel on a yacht that won't sink that'll get you to the other side? This is what we're talking about. You see, this life will only take you but so far. This life is only meant for one purpose, and that is that you may know Jesus, get full of Jesus, and inherit eternal life. Everything outside of that is, you know, man's portion. God enables him to enjoy his family, love his children. You know, God will give him things that he can sustain and take care. But outside of that, for any Christian, and you're going to grow with this as you go, it is to be heavenly minded and focused on Jesus Christ. That's what this is about. You know, and we're going to learn why it's so important. But he says, um, you know, so few there be that find this narrow way. Okay, look at verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. So you got a lot of smooth talking individuals out there that will tell you about the love of Jesus. And he just loves everybody. You just come on in and just get some nice love from the love of Christ. But those people, who are not preaching about the things that we need, those people will lead you to hell. You know why? They give you an unbalanced diet. You see, even, even a tree, if you look at it, one that's in this you know, temperate zone, they got to endure all four seasons. You guys remember the story of the biodome. They thought to build a perfect atmosphere in California with this dome, that all they would have to do is feed the trees, you know, give them water, give them sunlight, and the trees will grow strong. But the trees only reached a certain point before they toppled over. Why? Because they realized the thing that was missing for the trees to grow strong was the wind, okay? Trees get strong with resistance. The very fact that the wind blows them and they've got to go through a lot of turbulence and a lot of miles to bear fruit, that is what's necessary. But if someone is only preaching heaven and they're not telling you the realities of hell, they're not telling you that sin separates you from God. They're not telling you that God is angry with sin every day. Then those people are fattening you up on goodies, but you'll never be able to last long. You will fall and topple over because you're not getting the nutrition of God's word and his truth that you need. Okay. So he says, uh, ye shall know them by their fruits. So you're going to know these false prophets by their fruit. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, 
but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. So Jesus is saying, this is a part of your divine nature. You can't fake this. You see, I can tell everybody with my mouth that I'm a Christian and I love Christ. But if I'm talking filthy and everything else coming out of me, then that's what's really in me. It doesn't matter how much I smile. If I'm really a righteous seed of the Lord and I'm desiring to serve Christ, then I'm going to be heavenly minded. I will have a conversation that glorifies God, not turns people away from him. Okay, so he says, you'll know them by their fruits. He says, even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Now, you guys ask yourself why this is? Why is it that a good tree can't bring forth evil fruit? Why is it that a corrupt tree can't bring forth good fruit? It's not the nature. Apple trees will produce apples, not oranges. And you won't know until those fruit actually come to pass. But you see, you can't tell an apple tree, I want you to give me some bananas. Well, you're gonna be waiting out there a long time, okay? Because it's an apple tree, it's not a banana tree. But you see, it's the same thing why Pastor Price has said for years, and I 100% agree with this, you're not a sinner because it's what you do. You're a sinner because it's what you are. It takes the born again experience with Christ to be transformed and to be changed. You're only a sinner because it's what you are. So what does God do through the process of being born again, giving us his spirit? He changes your nature from the inside out. That not that you're just looking at words and saying, I got to do A, B, C, and D, but I don't feel like doing it. You don't have to do that. You obey God because you like God, because you want God. You see, there's a big difference between being commanded to do something and desiring to do something. Only a change in your nature is going to bring that forth. Dogs bark, cats meow, pigs oink, and they play in the mud, all because of their nature. You see, you can't put a silk suit on a pig and say, hey, you're going to be styling today, and I want you to stay out of that mud. He's going to look at you and jump right back in the mud because it's a part of his nature. So why does God work with us? How does he work with us? not by a bunch of do's and don'ts. Yeah, that's just, a, that's just a proving ground to be able to follow guidelines. But God's word is not here for us to follow laws. God's goal is to make you righteous. All he told Adam and Eve was, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. Why? Because their natures were divine. You see, he didn't have to tell them, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not this, thou shalt not that. It wasn't in their nature to do. So God's goal is to make you righteous. I'm not saying ignore the word, but I'm saying the end game is Christ in you. And in that, we will bear fruit. So he says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, in verse 21, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of God, the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, 
ye that work iniquity. So if they got iniquity in their lives, you know what it is? Their nature is not fixed. You see, you can do a lot of things for God. Okay, Jehovah Witnesses work harder than any people in the world. But the problem is they don't know God. Catholics believe in penitence and crawling on your knees and going through all this stuff, serving the Pope, but they do not know the Lord. So a lot of people are going to say they're going to believe that they know God and they won't. They're going to say, Lord, I did all these things. I preached 600 sermons for you. And the Lord is going to say, depart from me. Why? Because these people live double lives. They know not Christ. They may be outwardly performing. They may be self-righteous, but they are not the righteous trees that bear fruit that the Lord Jesus Christ is expecting to take place in us. You can't perform for God. You can't join a church. You've got to be born into it organically. So he says, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. So if you hear the sayings of Jesus Christ and you do them, you will be like a wise man that built your house on a rock, a strong foundation. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. That house stayed strong because it was built in Christ. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, these are the, the hard-headed people, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. It fell because it did not have a sure foundation. These rains, these winds, and these floods, you can expect them in your life, just like trees have to go through their seasons. But if we're rooted and we're grounded, we will bear fruit in Christ. Unless Christ is your foundation, you're like, a, you're like someone building a house with a deck of cards, just the next little nothing wind is gonna come by and knock it all down, okay? So let's move on. I wanna go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. Matthew 13, we're gonna look at verse 18. Uh, anyone has anything to add they can? Any questions? You can speak openly in this one. You know, we want people to have understanding. So this is Matthew 13, look at verse 18. He says, hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. If anyone heareth the word of the kingdom of, of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. So we understand here that just because we hear people speak about the Lord doesn't mean that we understand what's being said. And that's why the Bible tells us to use great plainness of speech. You know, the gospel that, that is preached should be understood not just by scholars, but it should be understood by children as well. Why? Children themselves need to be saved. I'm not saying they're going to understand everything, but this is about bringing clarity that people will be able to grow. But, you know, this individual they're speaking of, 
He receives seed by the wayside because he heard the word, but he doesn't understand. And that word for understanding doesn't mean that they don't, that they can't get it. It's the fact that they got more things going on. It wasn't sown in their heart. That was a great message. That was cool. I like that. But, oh, by the way, I got other things I need to do. You see, that didn't strike the individual in the heart. When something hits the heart, the heart receives it and, and change will begin in your life. Okay, so this person might have heard it. Yeah, you know, great oratory. Thank you. You see, and the devil will come and take away that knowledge that you had. Why? Because you don't really value it that much anyway. Look at verse 20. But he that receives seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word and anon, meaning immediately, with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath not root in himself, but doeth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth, because of the word, by and by, he is offended. Another thing that causes people not to grow in God's grace and receive the word that God gives us for growth is a stony heart. That stony place is a stony heart. You might've said something that's true, but I'm not ready to live it. Those are the places where the enemy will come in and, and will you know, change your mind. Or you might be excited about what you've heard, but once again, it wasn't in a place where, you know what, this is true. I need to receive this and I need to give my life over and get right. He says, these people will do it for a while. They'll, amen, hallelujah, oh yes, yes. But then when someone says, hey, you know you gotta forsake a life for a life? You know that you got to change your life to walk with Jesus? No fornication, no drugs, no alcohol. You know, you've got to do things in God's favor. Now that person is offended. I like the idea of salvation. That sounded great. But now that you're telling me I need to do A, B, C, and nah, man, I'm good. You know, they become offended. What kind of God would say that homosexuality is wrong? The same God that says fornication is wrong. The same God that says it's not okay for you to sleep with someone else's wife. Okay, so these things, when we don't receive them, they stop us from growing. Do you know how many people I've met that were willing to give their lives to Christ until I mentioned homosexuality, until I mentioned other things and they, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I thought that your God was full of love, but now I can see that he's not. What's their problem? They're looking at it from an upside down perspective. They've been living and believing things for so long that they don't know which end is up. I mean, you could tell a drug addict that drugs are bad for you. And you know what they'll tell you? They ain't done nothing to me. I'm doing just fine. You're 98 pounds soaking wet. You know, looking like a skeleton, but the heroin ain't never done nothing to me. I'm good. So you see, when your perspective is upside down, you're gonna look at things in an upside down way. <laughs> so anyway, he says, uh, this is three. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. So this individual has given their lives to the Lord. They understand that, you know, hey, God's word says it. Hey, that's just the way it is. But he made clear here that the cares of this life the deceitfulness of riches will choke the word. 
And this is when people begin to compromise the gospel. Some people may say, well, you know, yeah, I work at a strip club and they're paying me to be outside the door and I'm making 400 bucks a night just standing there. And you're like, yeah, man, but the Bible tells us to abstain from the appearance of evil. You shouldn't be in front of a place like that. And you know what they'll tell you? Yeah, but you got to understand God wants me to have. This job feeds my family. You see, you see, the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, chasing the elusive carrot, knowing that you can never really sustain anything here, things are gonna come and go. How many times have you saved up for something that you really wanted only to see that money evaporate? You know, you had a plan, but now you're injured. So now you got a medical situation that needs to be taken care of. You know, and it's God's way of showing us, not that he wants bad things to happen to us, but our trust should be in him. He's who sustains not your riches, not where you work, not your status in the world, but these things choke the word from people because they do not want to live a life that is for the Lord. So he says that stops him from being unfruitful, but he that receives seed into the good ground and he that hears the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some in hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. I'm here to tell people, because you know, when you tell people about this stuff, they'll say, well, let me be a tree that receives 30 fold. We got two problems here. One, it's not up to you. And if you don't make 30 fold, guess where you're going? So my thing is aim for a hundred percent and wherever God places you, so be it, okay? If I don't make the hundred percent, at least I've strived. At least I gave all unto the Lord. If I end up in the 60 fold, then good. But why would I wanna give the Lord the bare minimum when I can live my life and desire to, I'm willing to pay $200,000 for an education and study for years and years for that because I believe it's valuable, but what about eternal life? What about knowing your creator? What about not going into a lake of fire because you know the Lord? That should be the most important thing to you is finding out, hey man, if the lake of fire really does exist, and I need to get right with the Lord and I need to know this Jesus, okay? Because he says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But the problem is, you know, what was Israel's problem? They were stiff necked. You know, I don't want to serve God. I just want to live my life. That individual is lawless. And you know what? When the grace period ends with the Lord, back to the law, God is going to judge everyone according to their sins. So we need to get right with him, spend time with him, grow in his grace, that we can be not just righteous trees, but fruitful, that God should be able to use us wherever he would like. Because you know what I realized about God? God is like any other father. He wants to be proud of his children. You know, he wants to be able to try them and test them. And then even to say, you see how obedient my son is? He's not with the world because he's with me. But you see, if you won't allow God a chance to use us and allow us to grow, then God can be disappointed. God gave us the emotions that we have. God is pulling for you. The Holy Ghost is striving for you. I want you to be fruitful. Haven't you been in this merry-go-round and this zoo enough to see that there is nothing here on this side of things that can sustain you and truly bring you joy? What will bring us joy is the thing that brings God joy, that we will grow and be fruitful. Yes, Sarah. 
And I can tell people from being on religious side and then actually being saved is that when I was a religious person, I had no appetite. I had no thirst, no desire to get to know Jesus. Because I, I was duped into believing that I prayed this sort of prayer and I was saved. But my nation never changed. Mm-hmm. So I had no desire to read his word. I had no desire to apply it to the world that was around me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people today want to call me, like, limited on what I know. But the truth of the matter is that after I got saved, I actually studied more because I <laughs> wanted to know. I spent, you know, five, six hours mm-hmm. studying and comparing mm-hmm. it to the world that was around me because mm-hmm. it's like, you want to know how effectual is the scripture in modern day time. That's right. And so you're going to read and you're going to read and you're going to pray to the Lord for understanding of what you read. You're going to find out what other religions are saying or what they're not saying. And to make sure that what we believe is the truth. And when, when it's all said and done, it's like it is the truth because Jesus Christ is the only one in history out of every single religion that died on the, he came to die on the cross from our, for our sins, that we could be set free. Mm-hmm. That's that, and everyone's like, well, every religion preaches love except for Christianity. No, it doesn't. They all preach self enlightenment. And he's religion. the only God that comes and lives in his in his creation. Exactly. He's the only God that will indwell a man and live in a man and, and make them and allow the man to reach his fullness. Man, you can't beat that. Imagine the creator of all that is, the king of kings and lord of lords, wants to live in you and make his home in you. Man, the church of God ain't seen nothing yet. You wait till we sell out to God 100%, and you watch what the Lord will do in these times. Man, it's going to be an awesome day. Look at Matthew 15. Matthew 15, let's look at verse 1. All right, Matthew 15, and let's look at verse 1. It says, then came Jesus, uh, then came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? But they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? So Jesus said, well, I got a question for you. You're wondering why we don't wash our hands and all this other stuff before we eat. You know, and the Lord is saying, well, what about your traditions that you keep that are of men and not of God? He says, for God commanded saying, honor thy father and thy mother, and that thy curses father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. So again, we've used this point. Some people can be born again, you know, wanting to give their lives to the Lord. And they probably have family members that may be unsaved, may not be living righteous. Yes, you can preach the gospel and tell them what they need to know, but that doesn't supersede when the Lord says honor your parents, honor your mother and your father. You may be able to say some things to them, but you're going to show respect. I mean, if the spirit leads you to speak boldly, then you speak boldly. But what he's saying here is God's word stands no matter what, okay? So there is no excuse 
for not honoring your mother and father. That does not mean you have to agree with them. It doesn't mean you have to go along with them, but you are to honor them. So he says, and honor not his father or his mother, uh, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you say, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So what he's bringing forward here is, it's not about outwardly performing, which we talked about on Sunday. It's not about trying to look the best that you can look and say all the right things. This is about a relationship with you and the Lord that he changes you from the inside out, that things are not just no longer in your vocabulary, they're not in your nature. That's what this is about. So he says, but in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. That's that prosperity mess. And he called the multitude and said unto them, hear and understand. Uh, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defiles the man. So it's the very nature of man that defiles him, not what you eat. You may gain weight, you know, you may lose some teeth, you may have diabetes, but it doesn't defile the man. What defiles the man is the sin nature that we inherited from Adam. So then he says, look at verse 12. Then came his disciples and said unto him, knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? So the disciples are conscious of the religious leaders of that day and say, man, you didn't realize you offended the pastor? You didn't realize you offended the Pope? These religious leaders, you didn't realize that you did this? Look at what Jesus says in verse 13. But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father have not planted shall be rooted up. That's all he knows. You don't have that organic life of Christ growing in you and my father didn't plant you, you're going to be rooted up. That's one thing I love about the Lord. He is no respecter of persons at all. Everyone is held to the same standard. We all must obey the word and there is not one who is above another. That's why I love, the, love Jesus. Look at verse 14. He says, let them alone. Don't worry about those Pharisees. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So Jesus wanted these Pharisees to be saved, but many of them wouldn't. Why? They were looking for the broad way. They wanted God's way and they wanted their way. Well, you can't have your way. You've got to get in line with God. But you see, these people are blind leading the blind telling people this is all you need to do to be a Christian. Don't go any farther than this. As long as you come and you give me your tithe, God, you're in good standing with God. But that is not the case. Our Lord Jesus Christ is responsible for the growth of every single tree. And if we don't know him, we will not bear fruit. We will be twice dead and plucked up by the roots. And we don't wanna be that. We want to be that orchard that the Lord wants to work with and he wants to have. I wanna make another example real quick. Look at John 15. Sure. 
Uh, we're going to begin in verse 1. Can you believe we've been talking only over an hour? It must be. I felt like I was in here for about three. For real. It's snowing it down. Look at John 15, guys. Look at verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. What is a husbandman? That's like a gardener, okay? One who is a vine dresser, who's a tiller of the soil, you know? Uh, helps uh, vines and trees to, you know, to get the ground right so that they can grow. He says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, that brings fruit, God purges it, okay? He says that it may bring forth more fruit. So, you know, going back to the parable of the sower, I even remember times in my walk where I began to bear fruit. But then there was a part of me that became proud of that and started straying away from God. And you know what happened? Your fruit begins to wither away. So this is a constant thing about staying connected. Because you see, if God is going to purge you because of your obedience, that you may bring forth more fruit, then what's going to keep you bringing forth fruit? Obedience. Spending time with him, walking with him. You don't obey him to a degree. And now that I got my fruit, I can take a hike. You take a hike and you're going to wither away. So it's obedience to God. It's keeping a steady relationship with the Lord that will allow the Father to purge and for us to bring forth more fruit. Okay, so he says in verse two, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. So you see, we can start out with the life and grow in Christ. And you can start to wither away if you don't take your relationship, you know, uh, that serious with the Lord. Of course, you're going to learn how to get right with Christ. You're going to grow with him. You're going to spend more time with him as you go. This is all a part of nature. But we must know that outside of Jesus Christ, we have nothing. So we must abide in him. Look at verse five. I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So what we're looking at here is, I mean, this is, this is exactly what it's saying, just how when things begin to wither away, you know, when, when, when trees are no longer growing and they become rotten to the core, they get cut down. And what is it now useful for? Some good old firewood. Why? Because it can't do anything else. It cannot bear fruit. So this is exactly what it sounds like. If we don't allow the Lord to govern our lives, we ourselves will be hewn down and cast into the fire. You let your imagination run wild with that one. I'm not trying to bring fear. I'm telling people the truth. If we won't allow the Lord to govern our lives and to become one with him, the only thing outside of Jesus Christ is a lake of fire, okay? So anyway, he says, look at verse seven, if ye abide in me 
and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So a lot of people will shorten this up, wanting to be righteous in their own standards. They'll say, Lord, I came to you for things, and you said that if I ask, that it will be given to me. But if you look at verse seven, it says, if ye abide in me and in my words, if my words abide in you, then you can ask what you will and it shall be done. So we've got to obey God's word. He says uh, in verse eight, herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. So you see, when you become disciples of Christ, you will be fruitful. As the father have loved me, so have I loved you, continue in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. You know, the amazing thing about Jesus for me, I'm sure we can all point to things we love about him, but what I love about the Lord most was his obedience. He did nothing outside of the will of his father. He waited on every command and he fulfilled his father's will. There's even in uh, John 17, he says that he separates himself or sanctifies himself that he may sanctify others. How many trees out there are bearing fruit for themselves? Trees bear fruit that they may be plucked and you may be able to eat from them. So if we're gonna be productive and bear fruit, you know, then we've got to be able to feed others. We got to be able to help other people grow. This is all a part of being fruitful. How many trees would allow you to go and try and grab a banana and he smacks your hand down? This is mine. It would be useless. So God wants us to grow and bear fruit. He says that we may, what does he say? Uh, if you keep my commandments, you will bring forth fruit and you abide in my father's love. So you know that God saved, he loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will believe it will inherit eternal life. Well, you know what? We are extensions of our Lord Jesus Christ. If he is the vine, then we are the branches. We must bear fruit that we can reach those people for Jesus Christ. That's why it's important that we grow because we look at this thing like, I don't feel like doing this stuff sometimes. I don't feel like praying. I just wanna go and do things. What about you being a fruitful tree for the Lord that you can touch the life of someone else? There is nothing worse than a Christian with the life of God inside of him and all he is concerned of is self. That is not why you were saved. You were saved that you may save another. That is the selflessness and love of the kingdom of God. This ain't about your personal fruit. Those fruit don't belong to you. You are God's garden and he will pick them as he chooses and he will bring them where he needs them to be. That's what this whole thing is about. You know, giving it to him. He says, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love have no man than this than he that lay down his life for his friends. I love the way Leonard Ravenhill explained that because some people would say, you know, well, what does it mean to lay down your life for your friends? Do you just say, shoot me instead of him? He said, that would be easy. 
no more taxes, no more this, no more that. I could just go on into the kingdom. But it means to share your life with someone. How many people are, are even willing to teach or even to make disciples that these people may grow and have these things too? That's what this whole thing is about. This is about the extension of the life of Christ that people may live and not die. Because if not, they'll be twice dead and plucked up by the roots. We're here to see souls saved. So you see, it's to share your life. It's to forsake your life. You know how many times as ministers, man, we get calls and man, I just want to go to bed. I don't want to talk about this. I had a rough day. But you know what? You pick up that phone and you answer and you talk to them and you do what you can. Sometimes the Lord will say, let the phone ring and go to bed. Why? Because he might want you refreshed for the next day. There are some people that love to waste time. Some people will know the answers to things and call you anyway just for something to do. Well, you know what? That's not what God wants either. God wants you to be fruitful and to do the things that he calls. I'm not telling people don't reach out to me. I'm just making a point that the devil can even use situations like that to keep you from obeying God. There are many times the Lord said, I want you in prayer and somebody will call me. And I'll say, well, I'm sure God wants me to talk to them. And that conversation turns from five minutes to two and a half hours. And guess what? I didn't even pray. Now I may give the Lord a little prayer and now it's time for me to go to bed. So you see, we must obey God if we want to be fruitful. You see, the spirit of God will tell you, man, separate for a moment. He'll be like, yeah, but that's my best friend. The Lord says separate because I need you to be fruitful. We cannot allow ourselves to be distracted in this. We have one goal in mind, and that is to be full of Jesus Christ. So let's look at Colossians chapter one. Anybody has anything to add, please do. I'm noticing my life when I'm fasting or when I'm kind of like in unity with the Lord. I just get random texts from people that I haven't talked to in like months. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I do. I'm just thinking about you. It's like, where are you? Exactly, man. The devil will do whatever he can to uproot your tree, to pull you back in the flesh, and to keep you from being fruitful. That's what it's all because if you're not in the flesh, you won't fall for it. You know, so it's like Mm -hmm. that's fine that he does that. Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter one, let's look at verse 15. He says, who is the image of the invisible God? Did I tell everybody to go there or did I just mention that? Yeah. Okay, good. So I'm like, I don't want to just start reading. All right, Colossians uh, 1 and 15, he says, who is the image of the invisible God? The firstborn of every creature. So you see, one thing I love about the Lord is Jesus Christ was the firstborn, not the first born into this world, but the first of the new life, the new lifetime. So our Lord is not telling you and I to do anything that he wouldn't do. Do you see, that's the amazing thing. You know, you hear all these stories about God's that they just rest up in the clouds and you know, you're praying and crying your eyes out and they're just looking at you. That's not the God we serve. Or go get me something to eat. Or go do this or I'll destroy you. You see, that's the image that the devil tries very hard to paint of God. But this is not true. God sent his only son into the world 
to go first to show you and I how to do it. And the beautiful thing is he expects you and I to be no less. He's telling you that you can come to the standard of walking with the son of God and being a joint heir with Jesus Christ. He says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Jesus, by him and for him, for Jesus. So Jesus created everything that you see, whether it's visible or invisible. That's amazing. Look at verse 17. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So you see, Jesus should be a major factor in our lives. He says, by him, all things consist. You want to know why your life is falling apart? You know why you won't find a successful relationship? You know why these things happen to us and we suffer unimaginable hurt that we don't have to? It's because we don't put all things in the hands of Jesus Christ. Man, I love that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we will not carry everything to God in prayer. If we would just wait on the Lord, I'm not saying hurt won't come your way, but you know what? They will be to a minimum. They will be a lot less if we can just confide and trust in Jesus Christ. He is that missing element in the lives of those who are dead and plucked up by the roots. So he says, uh, look at verse... uh, Verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in Jesus, in him, should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of the cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him to say, whether they be things on earth or of things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet have now he reconciled. So you see, The Lord here is saying, hey, I remember when you guys were sinners. I remember when you were fornicators. You guys were homosexuals. You guys were murderers. You committed all sorts of acts. He says you were alienated, okay, and enemies in your mind because the carnal mind is an enemy of God. That's why when God wants to work with us, he touches the heart, but he reconditions the mind. Why? Because the Bible tells us that what a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You are the very thing that you think about. So this is why God wants to change this the way that you think, and it will change your life. So God reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, this is a promise, guys. This is an if and then statement. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature, which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. So you see, you can have Christ if you're rooted and you're grounded. If you stay with Christ, if you build a strong relationship, 
your tree will not fall in the day of temptation. He says, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you to fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which have been hid from ages and from generations, which now is made manifest unto his saints. What is this mystery that he's talking about that was once hidden from the people until he has given it to his saints? It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit. And this is why I want to tell people, and I don't, you know, I'm not trying to offend. Having the Holy Spirit in your life is absolutely necessary. There is no church that's going to take the place of it. There is no offering that will take the place of it. There are no works that will take the place of it. You need to seek the Holy Ghost if you want to be a righteous tree. Spend time with the Lord and God will baptize you with the Spirit. But you've got to desire to be clean. You've got to desire to walk with the Lord. There are a lot of people being told today that you got the Holy Ghost when you got baptized. He might have, you know, worked with you and the Spirit of God might be moving you, but he is urging you to be baptized with obedience, which is the Holy Ghost of God. Because what is the Holy Ghost to us? Look at verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Jesus Christ can actually inhabit us. Jesus Christ can live in us. Jesus Christ has to be brought forth to full stature that you and I may be righteous trees and a manifested son of God. I wanna keep it simple tonight, but I want this to be brought forward for us. There are things that the devil is doing to keep you and I from being fruitful. We have to know what those things are that we can stay rooted and grounded and be fruitful in Jesus Christ. This is the whole walk of a Christian. You got saved for this purpose, to have the Lord get your soil right, that he may water you, that you may grow in his grace, that you might be fruitful. Everything else outside of that does not cut it. It does not stand up. You need the life of Christ in you to be fruitful. That's the only thing that the Lord Jesus Christ will be looking for. Will this take time? I'll have to ask people, what doesn't take time? Things that come easily tarnish quickly, you know, but it takes a process of being built up to walk with Jesus Christ and to stay with Jesus Christ, you know? Let's go to... Uh, I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm almost done. I know it's a lot to take in and stuff, but that's why we study. Write these notes down. Look for revelation. You know, it'll start to make sense. There's a lot to take in at time, but that's how it was in school. When you first started in school, I don't care, you know, college or any grade level you are in. Man, when it first comes to you, Man, this is hard. And you know what's funny when your teacher will write math problems up and he's explaining it to you and you're saying, 
you know, I don't see it. I don't see how you got to that conclusion. What you're really saying is you don't understand. That takes time. And then one day they'll go over it and you'll say, I see it. Now I got the problem. Now I got it figured out. That's what this process is all about. That's what this is all about. First Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians three, let's look at verse one. He says, and I brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with me and not, I fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. So Paul is recognizing that the church in Corinth right now, there's a lot of babes in Christ. He said, I would love to speak to you as unto spiritual, you know, but I can't do it yet because you're still a babe in Christ. You're not able to drink or to eat the meat. You have to absorb the milk and to grow. Okay. And, and you know, ask yourself why a young tree, even though it may have leaves, how come there's no fruit on it? Because it'll bend the tree and break from the branches and the tree will not be fruitful. So it takes time for that stem to become a true trunk that it will grow leaves and be strong enough and mature enough to sustain. I mean, what girl, you know, five years old can get pregnant? Okay, she has to grow to the place of being mature that now she's able to bring forth life. It's the same thing with the life of those who are intending to be true trees for Christ. That's the wisdom of God. Look at three, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? So he's calling them carnal. Look at the word carnal. This is G4559. And that word means fleshly, having the nature of flesh under the control of the animal appetites, governed by mere human nature, not by the spirit of God, having its seat in the animal nature or aroused by the animal nature. Human uh, uh, with the included idea of depravity uh, pertaining to the flesh, to the body related to birth or lineage. So as you can see, you think like an animal. Before we're born again, you think like an animal. So what he's saying is, because these guys are carnal, he says you walk as men and there's divisions, there's arguing. Do you know that there shouldn't be any real arguing in the body of Christ? It's one thing to be able to debate or to contend with scripture. It says that Paul disputed in the churches, okay, every Sabbath day to tell people about Christ. Those things can occur. When you come with the gospel, you're going to be intruding in people's personal lives. You're going to be telling a fornicator you're a fornicator and you need to get right with Christ. Of course, you're going to offend people. That's all a part of what happens. But it's all for the sake of that you may break down those strongholds and set captives free. OK, but these guys are fighting and contending and he's calling them carnal. And look at their argument. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, and are ye not carnal? So, you know, instead of it being Jesus Christ, which is every man's head, 
I'm a member of such and such church. I'm a member of the Methodist group. I'm a member of Joe Osteen. This is where we are and this is what we believe. Hey, you don't represent any church. You represent Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be lively stones, okay, that build up the spiritual house, which is Christ in the body of every believer. Yes, Sarah. I think that too is probably probably why it's not the main reason, but I think it's got a lot to do with why people won't come to know Jesus Christ today because everyone's disputing about religious antics and the, polit the politics and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it takes the focus off of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. So when you tell somebody, I'm not religious, I have a relationship. They don't. Their minds go into chaos because yes. they've never heard anything like that before. Exactly. Because religion has bound people. Why do you think the devil uh, brings forth denominations? To cause division. But you could say to anybody in a denomination, show me in the Bible where there's a denomination. You can't find one. You know why? Because they're made of men. It's meant to keep the people carnal, seeking as some individual as their covering, as their head, when, the, when Christ is the head of every man. I'm not saying don't respect authority in the churches. The Bible says he gave some apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists to do what? To help perfect the saints, to do the work of the ministry, to edify the body of Christ. So they're there to help you grow. They're here to wrap you up when you start going crooked. You know, they're there to help water you and get you right with Christ. But you're not there to be in their garden forever. You're there to be in the garden of God that he may use you as he sees fit. So anyway, he says, but who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. And I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So right now, even while I'm speaking, I may be planting seeds, who knows? I may be telling people the truth, but it's up to God to give the increase. That's what it's about. You don't seek to men for an increase, you seek God. He gives the increase. So it says, uh, look at verse seven. He says, so, so then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God gives the increase. So while I'm amongst my brothers and sisters right now, I'm no special great one, okay? There is no pastor out there that is a great one in God's eyes. He's saying the guy that plants and the guy that waters, they are nothing. They're just vessels, but God is who gives the increase. So even thank the Lord, even when you hear a good message that the Lord may use through a man because he's truly the one that matters. Look at A. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So we are expected to, like I said, grow and to go and to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, so you're also a type of gardener for the Lord. That's why he wants us to grow. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay 
than that is laid, which, which is Jesus Christ. So we must know where our responsibilities pull back. You know, like I remember uh, there are times people may ask the question, well, I was married and now I'm divorced. What should I do? Because the Bible says that, you know, if you're married and you decide to divorce, there's a chance that you could still be married to the other person. What do I tell people with that? I tell them what the word says, but then I tell them because I don't know this situation, seek the Lord, seek the Lord. God might've called you out of that because this man is gonna kill you. I don't know why certain things may happen. When you're unsaved, you may do things that you're unaware of. That's why it takes the wisdom of God to be able to tell you what to do. That's why it is so important that we get to know him. So we can't build on God's foundation. We've got to stay in line with the growth process. Every tree has its own responsibility, but the garden itself belongs to the Lord. Because I mean, I was good for that when I first started out in this thing. You need to this, this, this. No, 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 you're doing it all wrong. Don't you see that this is wrong? But you see, I mean, sometimes it takes what's wrong to get right. You can advise, but you allow God to mold and sculpt and shape. That's how you grow with God. Not in what men tell you, but what God says. Let's go to, uh, I'm almost done. Let's go to Revelation chapter two. Oh, man. Verse one. Uh, Revelation chapter two, and we're going to look at verse eight. Now, you know that these were the seven, uh, these were the seven churches that God intended to correct. He wanted them to get right with him. You know, we read already in the parable of the sower about that there are many things that stop us from reaching our fullness. And one of them for sure is tribulation. So this, this is a warning to the church at Smyrna. Look at verse eight. He says, and unto the angel of the church of Smyrna, write these things saith the first and the last, that's Jesus, which was dead and is alive. That's Jesus. He says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews and are not but are the synagogue of Satan. So what we understand here is the Lord is telling them, hey, this church of Smyrna, I understand your tribulation and your poverty, but the Lord is making it clear to him, but I mean, to this church, but you are rich. Why? Because they have spent their time in the Lord. And that's why they told that man, remember the guy who wanted to build a barn, you know, for all his riches in the world? And the Lord said, thou fool, you don't even know that your soul is required tonight. And who are those things belong to that you built up for yourself? So then the Lord says that be uh, you, you should be rich towards God and not towards money. Jesus says, stop going after the meat that perishes. He is the bread of life. So he's telling them here, even though you guys are going through tribulation, I'm with you. And he says he knows the blasphemy of those who call themselves Jews and are not. Now, a lot of people try and take this doctrine and go all over the place with it. This can be related to the very fact that 
The synagogue of Satan are those who pretend to be Christians, those who call themselves real believers, but really they're of the church of Satan because they don't believe God. This is what he's talking about. He says, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye be tried and ye shall have tribulation 10 days. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. So he said seven times to seven churches that he that endureth unto the end or he that overcometh, God will use them. So look at what he tells him. If you be faithful unto death, no matter what trouble comes in your life, he says, I will give you a crown of life. He says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt by the second death. What's the second death? The lake of fire. That is, that is hell. Now you guys understand the term that was in Jude, twice dead and plucked up by the roots. That the, the fate of that tree was in hell. Why? Because it would not allow the life of Christ to be in. That's what it means by twice dead. Those who are not just dead in this life, but they're dead in the one to come because they would not give it to the Lord. Let's go to another place. Let's go to Revelation 3. And let's look at verse 14. Here we go. Uh, Revelation um, 3 and 14. Oh, like, huh? <laughs> it's all good. Revelation 3, look at verse 14. He says, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, that's Jesus, the beginning of the creation of God. He says, I know thy works, Thou art uh, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. So you see, God wants us to be able to choose a side, okay? A tree can only grow when a tree will submit to the process of growth. If trees wanted to uproot themselves and walk away, how successful would they be? So Jesus is even saying here, because they are lukewarm, look at, look at lukewarm. This is G5513. It says, tepid, metaphorically, of the condition of the soul, wretchedly fluctuating between the torpor and the fervor of love. So that means, you know, hypocriting around. One minute I'm with God, one minute I'm with the world. One minute I like, I believe Jesus Christ, next minute I don't. He says, because you have not chosen a side. He says, I would rather you be hot or cold. Hey, if you wanna be an enemy of God, God will advise you not to be, but if that's what you desire, okay, then you're on that side. He says, I would rather you be that. That's just like us rathering somebody, just break up with you, than to be cheating on you and running back to you telling you they love you. Wouldn't that make you sick to your stomach? Wouldn't that say, you know what? Get your stuff and get your things and get out of this house. Why? Because they're cheating on you. So this is what the Lord is saying, you know, hey, if you're gonna be with me, then be with me. But if you want that whore down the street, 
then go with her. But one thing you are not going to do is play both sides of the fence. You've got to choose a side. And he says, man, because of that, you make me sick to my stomach. Can you imagine, man, your wife or husband doing stuff to you? How sick would that make you? You know, so let's understand the heart of God. Look at verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. You guys see that beast nature? This person who was lukewarm says, I'm rich and I'm increased with goods. I got everything I need. He says, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Not only are you wretched, but you're miserable, you're poor and you're blind and you've got no covering, which you need, which is the Lord. So look at how the Lord solves this. He says, I counsel thee to buy from me gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed. So look at how beautiful this is. The Lord is saying, look, I understand your problem. You think you've got it all, but you haven't even begun. You need me to truly be what God is calling you to be. So he says, buy from me gold. This gold has been tried. This is not fool's gold. This is not a false relationship. This is not a false gospel or a false friendship. This is a promise from a true God that loves us, that wants us to grow, one that you can bet your bottom dollar on, okay? And, and, and he will always come up right. He will always be true. He will always do what he says. This is the only true one that you can put your trust in if you want to grow. Now, you know how many people told you they would never do you wrong? That list is long. But in Christ, you can have everything because he is God and he cannot lie. Our God is true. So anyway, he says, you know, so put on white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness, no God in your life do not appear and anoint thine eyes with thyself that thou mayest see. What is this? This is a fresh perspective. This is seeing it for once the way that God sees it. And this is being in good standing with him, keeping your eyes on him. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke. So don't feel bad if your sin was brought up tonight. This is just the way that it goes. If he loves, he rebukes you and chastens you. That means spank your butt from time to time. And be zealous, therefore, and repent. So turn towards God. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. That's a promise. If you want Christ, you can have all the Christ you want. If you want to be holy, God will give you his divine nature and give you his spirit that you may walk with him. If you want to know him, the Lord says, I'm not going to just open the door and say hello and ask you how you're doing. I'm going to come in and sup with you. We will have intimate time together. You will know me and I will know you. Man, that's a beautiful thing. Why would we want any less? Man, no, he's not going to just stand at the door. You need a few dollars. He's going to come in and he is going to sup with you. This is the God we serve. The problem is not whether or not God loves us. The problem is, do we love him? 
Because you see, he died. He did everything that you and I can have eternal life. Do we desire that? Do we believe that? And if not, we need that ourselves that we may have a fresh perspective. That's what Jesus does. I, I, I try and relate the gospel to the movie, The Matrix. So does Pastor Price and so many out there. The Matrix itself was a computer generated dream world that everybody thought was real. But the truth of the real world was nothing like it. And you see, when Neo became born again, I hate to bring up a movie, he became unplugged from all the cords and he flushed through. And what did Morpheus tell him? Welcome to the real world. What did he tell more? What did Morpheus tell him? Hey, all I'm offering is the truth. All I'm telling you is what is true. He says, you can take that blue pill or whatever, and you can go back and live in Wonderland and believe that the world is however you think it is. But he says, if you take the red pill, I'm gonna show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. And that's what the Lord is doing. With the gospel, he is showing us just what this world truly is, that you and I may seek eternal life and walk with Jesus Christ. That's all he did is Neo set them free. The whole Neo story is the Bible story. All they did was put entertainment in it and look how many people were sold to the idea. Well, we're selling you on the truth, the original, Jesus Christ. So anyway, he says, uh, be, uh, I read that part, look at verse 21, to him that overcometh, look at the word overcometh. This is G3528. That word means to conquer. That word is Nikeo, the same place we get the word Nike. God is a victory. That's the same word. He says to conquer, to carry off the victory, come off victorious of Christ, victorious over all his foes of Christians that hold fast their faith even unto death against the power of their foes and temptations and persecution when one is arraigned to go to law, I mean, or goes to law to win the case, um, maintain one's cause. So God wants us to be victorious. He doesn't want the devil on top of you. He wants you to flip him over and make your enemies your footstool, just like he did his. So he says to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and have set down on my father, uh, set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit says unto the churches. So just because you got ears don't mean you'll hear this. This is for those who are willing to hear and apply the word to their lives. Last scripture of the night, Revelation 21, and I am done. Revelation 21, and I am done. Uh, we're going to begin at verse one. We're not going to read the whole thing now. This is the promise of the Lord. Look at what God has in store. The Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Man, you've seen all this world can offer. Why not seek something greater? What have you got to lose? Give Jesus Christ a try. See if he makes good on his word. God loves challenges like that. 
you do what I tell you and watch what I will do. Look at Revelation 21, look at verse one. He says, this is John, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth and the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down from heaven, out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned with her husband. Ooh, excuse me. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Can you imagine seeing God face to face every day? I mean, there is no day and night. So you're just going to be in existence with your creator. And that's, that's unimaginable. Look at what he's going to bring. Look at verse four. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death. Can you imagine that? Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. Man, that ought to sign everybody up right there. No more pain, but the former things are passed away. So God is gonna take all those things that hurt, all those things that caused us grief, that held us back, and he's going to cast those things away. Verse five says, and he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, right for these words are true and faithful. What is the Lord saying? You can believe them and rest in them and wait for them because they will come to pass. And he said unto me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst. What is a thirst? Those who truly desire, those who are seeking. You know how you are when you're hungry and you haven't eaten all day? God is saying that's the desire that we should have for him. It's like being in a desert and you're thirsty and there's nothing around. We should be seeking God like we seek food and water, even greater. So if you're a thirst, he says, of the fountain of water of life freely. So we want that fountain. We want Christ. We truly want to live forever. We don't want our existence to just be a vapor, just a moment in time and then passed away. Something in here? I heard that too. That's weird. Uh oh. Now let's look at verse um, verse seven. He says, "And he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son." So if we overcome, we allow God to take us through the process knocking down one sin after another, one temptation after another, becoming that organic life, the Lord promises. But look at verse eight. He says, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So as you can see, if we overcome, man, God will make good on everything he says, but God will also make good on what he says if we choose not to walk with the Lord, if we choose not the life of Christ. 
So those are the things that we got to pay attention to. And I want to see people make it. I myself want to make it. And I want to help other people get there. Why? Because this is a serious matter. This is a true matter of life and death. There is nothing else in this world that matters more than this. The single most important decision that you will make in your life is choosing Jesus Christ, not just as Savior, but as Lord. There is nothing that compares to that. Nothing at all. So I just want to say to people out there, I love you. You know, sometimes this message can be hard, but you know, it's all in love because we want people to sober up, see where they are and desire the Lord Jesus Christ. We all remember what sinners we were, the things that we committed. You can look at some of us today and know that that was not us years ago. Okay, we knew what we were like, we knew what we were, but we thank God for Jesus that he was able to set the captives free. So I just wanna say to those out there, if you know you're not saved and nobody knows this more than you, give your life to Jesus Christ today while there is time. Repent of your sins, turn from your wicked ways, give your life to the Lord, believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. If we confess our sins, our God is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is his promise. Believe that he's coming back for a church without spot, blemish, or wrinkle, and believe that he is the only true way to be saved. Get baptized, give your life to the Lord, share your life with the Lord in grace, and grow to be that righteous tree so that you will not be <laughs> twice dead and plucked up by the roots. That is a hopeless state for any tree, and that is not what we desire for us. You know, so. Anyway, let's pray, and I believe that we can go out from there. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, Sister Melissa, Brother Seth, Brother Timotheus, Sister Teresa. Let's pray. We'll go out from there. Oh, and by the way, I want to tell other people, get the organic gospel book. This is by Pastor Price and Maisha Hunter. This book is $13.95. It teaches the fact and simplicity that the gospel is organic. This is a great tool for learning in your walk with the Lord. It's not the only tool, but I think it will be helpful. You can choose to believe it or not believe it, but you know I think it's a good read. You can get it at the Omega Ministries website, or you can get it at www.theorganicgospel.net. I think it's a good read. You know, it's cheap. It's only 128 pages or so, but you can probably read this in three days. And it's a good perspective because all we talked about tonight, guys, was that the gospel was organic. We talked about trees. We talked about seeds. We talked about fruit and vines. And that's all Pastor Price is bringing to light. So, you know, you can, it'll simplify it. I think it's a good read. So let's pray and we'll go out from there. Any volunteers for prayer tonight? Sister Sarah? All right. Cool. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I just want to come to you this evening in Jesus' name. Thanking you, Lord God, for another day that you've given us. Thank you, Lord. Thanking you, Lord Jesus Christ, just for all and everything that you've done for us. Bless us with and bestowed upon us, Lord. Thanking you for your grace and your love and your mercy. Yes, Lord. Your long suffering with us, your patience, Lord Jesus Christ. 
And Lord, just all the things that you've done for us and through us, Lord Jesus, and saving our life, Lord God. Because I know tonight, Lord Jesus Christ, and the world at large, or just maybe here in America, Lord Jesus, where not at the time yet, but where others are seeking or, or they're going through persecution, Lord Jesus, they know what it means to follow after you, Lord God, because they know what they have to believe, Lord Jesus. They can be persecuted or die for it. And Lord Jesus, I know that that's coming here. And I know that in just so many facets tonight, Lord Jesus, the truth is not being preached, Lord. There is a fight amongst the so-called Christian church, Lord Jesus Christ, as to what the truth is. And so we have to know what we believe, Lord God. We have yes, to know Lord. what we stand upon, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We have to know, Lord God, what it means to be born again, Lord Jesus Christ. And I can only attest for myself, Lord Jesus, the way you did for me, Lord God, because you took me in the state that I was in, Lord Jesus Christ. A drunkard, Lord Jesus Christ, a person who swore all the time, a person who smoked cigarettes, Lord Jesus Christ, a person who had a foul mouth and a foul mind, Lord God, a person who was bathing herself in fornication, Lord Jesus Christ, and thinking that I was a Christian the whole time, Lord God, tattoos on my body, and you took me, Lord Jesus Christ, questioning the, the gender I was, Lord God, you, you took me, Lord Jesus Christ, out of that life, and you placed me on the path of righteousness, but as Brother Derek Prince said, I had to come to myself, just like the prodigal son did, Lord Jesus yes, Christ. Lord. He came to himself, and that's Hallelujah. what we have to do, Lord God. Thank we have to Jesus. come to ourselves, Lord Jesus. We have to know the sinful state that we're in, the, the muck and the mire that we are in, Lord God. And we have yes, to say, Lord. no longer do I want to live that life and give no, it all Lord. to you, Lord Jesus Christ. But it is a free will experience that we have, Lord God. But it is a turning away from our sin, Lord Jesus. We have Thank to utterly Jesus. hate that life that we are living, Lord God, to love and to follow after you, Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. And will this walk be easy? Absolutely not, because it is a choice and it is a decision every single day of our life, Lord God, because the devil is going to try and beat us up. He's going to try and beat us down. He's going to try and put questions in our mind. He's going to threaten us with family and friends and whatever. He's going to yes. threaten us with our jobs and money. And all of that, we know that we are richest in our life when we have the richness of Christ within us because you, Lord Thank God, you, your life, your happiness, your joy, and your peace is all that matters to us. And once we can truly realize that, Lord God, we know we have everything in this life we will ever, ever need, want, and desire. Thank you, Lord. So I pray, Lord God, for everyone who came tonight, Lord Jesus Christ, and for everyone who's listening in online, Lord God, whatever we are going through in this life, Lord Jesus Christ, whatever we are experiencing, whether people are battling with depression, homosexuality, whatever it is, fornication, Lord Jesus Christ, whatever it is, alcohol, whatever drug it is, whatever it is, Lord God, those things are only temporal. They do not fill the void in our life, which only you can fill, Lord God, through the precious blood that you shed on Calvary, Lord Jesus. Jesus. And everyone who has a full relationship with you knows that to be true, Lord God. But it is true, Lord Jesus Christ. We have got to go out into the world and share it, Lord God, because the evil is just its closing in more and more. Every single day we see the evil closing in, Lord God. We see the reprobate mind taking over, Lord Jesus Christ, and we've got to stand with you no matter what, no matter who walks out of our life, Lord Jesus, because you will take us in. You will take us up, Lord God. We are not rejected in your sight, Lord God. We are welcomed into into the beloved, but we've got to turn away from this evil life to do so, Lord Jesus, and open our eyes to see. 
open our eyes to want to do this, Lord God, to not fear the world, to not fear Satan, Lord Jesus Christ, because he has already been defeated. He is a defeated foe, Lord God, yes, but he's Lord. wanting to take as many people as he can with him, Lord Jesus. Yes, so I pray, Lord God, with all and everything that's within that we give our lives over to you, to be obedient unto you, Lord Jesus Christ, to do your will. I'm also praying, Lord God, tonight for the younger generation that's coming up, Lord God, because these children, Lord Jesus Christ, need to be saved. Yes, they Lord. are being taught evil. They are being taught filth before the age of 10, Lord God. And, yes, and that's Lord. the devil trying to keep them from coming to know you. So I'm praying, Lord Jesus Christ, over this generation coming up. I'm praying over my nephew, AJ, Lord Jesus Christ, who is wanting to go to the Amazon, Lord God. And I pray that you touch him and, and yes, the group that wants to go with him, Lord. They're coming under spiritual attack. So be with them, Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that they will pray and fast and get right with you. Do everything that you can do through them, Lord Jesus Christ, before they go over there, Lord God, because we are coming into a time like no other, where evil is just ramping up. So be with them, Lord Jesus, in this younger generation. Yes, Thank you, Lord God, for all and everything that you've done, done for us, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that we just give ourselves over to you to live, a, live an obedient life unto you, to forsake the world, the lust thereof, and to be full of you, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, your most holy name, my Amen. Amen. And I also want to say, guys, um, you know, keep Sister Tara in prayer. Her sister is hanging on by a thread, Lord, but we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ will set her free. So I proclaim in Jesus' name that those tumors be dissolved, that you may get the glory, that she may live for you and may be a great witness and testimony for you, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So I just want to say with that, guys, I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com. If it's been a blessing, subscribe to the channel, tell others about it. You know, I... I um, Sister Teresa, we're keeping you in prayer. Hopefully you get you got my information. Uh, Sister Kim, thank you for being on tonight. Uh, Brother Seth, Brother Jake, Brother Timotheus, Sister Melissa, Sister Naima, Latoya, uh, quite a few tonight. Hopefully I don't miss any names, but I love you all. Thanks for supporting this ministry. Don't forsake your prayer closets. And until next week, you guys have a good night. Yeah. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.